Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg. It's the Football Film Room Podcast. Hello and welcome inside the film room alongside veteran scout coach and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are back. We took some time off, but there's so much news to get into that we had to do a show today because it's not just pro days. It's not just the trades in the NFL. We have a new schedule now. There's talk of of, of fans being back in the stadiums, 100% capacity. There's so much news in the football world, Chris. This is might be the busier, busiest time that we've had since the Super Bowl. Yeah, it really has. I think uh, certainly the announcement, uh, it is official. Um, we was on a conference call today, and and um, they, the owners were going to meet and and uh, virtually in a, in a vote. Officially done. So if you're um, listening to this and you hadn't heard it, you probably heard the news of what's going to happen. It is official. Uh, we're going to have a 17-game schedule. And it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I can remember when – Scott, uh, you won't remember this because uh, I know I, I get trapped into this. It's a little before you die. I remember when we went to 14 to 16, and that was a big hullabaloo there. Uh, this is all the byproduct of getting an extra week. Um, you know, since we last spoke, we've had a new TV deal. Amazon's gotten into the business. Um, I was just having a conversation with an ATT tech. We were talking before the air, but... He's a big football fan, and and we were talking about the future of ATT, DirecTV, Sunday Ticket, Amazon. It, it, all of that is all kind of connected, and um, the new extra uh, game, and we obviously went with the extra playoffs. It's all money, and uh, all ways to create more money, and it's going – the preseason is um, – they're cutting it down. People think it's less important. Well, it is important. But what is most important is making money, and you don't make money off the preseason. You make by having an extra week, and this is what this is going to do. And um, so uh, we're going to see what the new CBA brings about in terms of OTAs uh, and what they're going to do, particularly this offseason where there's still COVID issues. But, yeah, there's a ton to go on. We're we're dealing with with, – with everything from the uh, the I call it the in person, but some of the virtual workouts with the virtual combine, so to speak. So it's a lot going on. You're right; it's such a busy time. Big trades last week, uh, man. Just so much stuff going on around uh, the world of pro football. 
as far as the 17 games uh, are concerned, was there any discussion to adding an extra bye week in the season? Because I know that that's something that I've certainly been a proponent of, you've been a proponent of, and many people feel like it would be in the best interest of the players. Look, you can go to an 18-game schedule if you like, but just add that extra bye week. It makes all the difference in the world for these teams. Yeah, it just didn't go anywhere, and I'm surprised and disappointed. I I think that we could be going to 18 at some point. I I don't know how that's going to play out, but I think it's going to play out. And I think we're going to see it when we get to 18. I think it's going to be a necessity at that point. I'm I'm going to argue that, and with you, I think it's it's due now, but I think it's coming. And I think the – I think what they're looking at, they look at things and always remember this folks that all the decisions are really rooted in what's best financially. So like, like for example, double bye weeks, more bye weeks makes football sense. Uh, But I think they're worried a little bit about what that's going to mean. If you get into like, for example, the one thing, you know, the new TV deal, as I mentioned, everyone's heard about that. Amazon's in it. And, and by the way, that's the, I'm told, that's the group to watch going forward. Um, there's belief that Amazon's going to have their own network. You know what I mean? Like, me, meaning, you know, they're going to be the Comcast. So, I mean, they, it's, it's unbelievable the amount of money. And so, as it relates to where is the Sunday ticket, which is owned by DirecTV now, where is that gone? Most people think that DirecTV is going to get outbid. May it by Amazon, be it by Disney with ESPN, ESPN. Plus. That's what they're ESPN saying. Plus. ESPN that, Plus, yeah. That's going to be the – and it, so why am I bringing that up with this, the 18 game and the double buys, is the more buys you have, the more weeks you have with double buys where you've got less games. So if you keep in mind, if you get your Thursday night free game – well, not free, I'm sorry – Thursday night game, games that are not going to be part of the Sunday ticket package or whatever they would call it. You got your Thursday game, right? Mm -hmm. You got your Sunday night game, right? Mm -hmm. You've got your Monday night game, right? Then you've got your three games that you can get on your right now CBS or Fox affiliate. So now if you throw in bye weeks where you've got less teams playing, you start taking that away. There are less games available on Sunday ticket, not by a lot, but that, that affects the pricing sure, sure. of what, what an Amazon or an ESPN is going to want to pay for it. So I think they're looking at that. So it's all rooted in money, but there, there needs, I, you've heard me say this before. I think it probably needs to be a, 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 the best thing football wise, which again is not where the decisions are made is to have, a 20-week schedule, if you want to go to 17, 18 games, do it in 20 weeks to where you can have multiple buys. And you've got my thing, and I don't know, I don't do television negotiation deals, but, Scott, I think if you if you could sell, all right, 20 weeks, meaning, you know, whatever network you're with, you're going to have 20 games as opposed to 16 or 17, to me, that's worth something. So, well, maybe you're not getting as many games each week because you have more bi-week games where you've got more teams that are sitting out certain weeks. You got more weeks, which 
you know, I, I think there are two ways to do it, and I'm sure they're going to look at it and crunch the numbers and figure out what's the best way to go about it. Yeah, it's certainly going to be something to pay attention to over the next coming years to see uh, what the NFL does decide to do with those TV contracts and whatnot. And then, of course, the schedule being bumped up. Uh, Roger Goodell said he expects full NFL stadiums this season. That is absolutely a, a positive sign, and we're seeing that with a lot of sports venues opening up their capacities as a result of more vaccinations and declining COVID numbers, although there are the variants that are out there. Still, it's a good sign. Yankee Stadium announced uh, up here in New York, that it's going to be about 10,000 fan capacity for opening day. And as we work our way towards the fall, yeah, we could be seeing full NFL stadiums and getting back to as close to normal as possible. And that's a great sign, not just for fans, but it's a great sign for the NFL, Chris, because we talk about all the money that they're getting with the TV deal. Teams lost money last year with the gate and with concessions and with parking. There's a lot of money that needs to be recouped for these NFL teams. There's no question about it. Um, there's no doubt that that was a big time hit. And of course the NFL found a way to play every game. And so uh, they had to, they had to live off the TV money. And certainly it's why the caps a little lower and more difficult to, to deal with. And they do expect more money. How many does, how, uh, what's what would you say is about the average? Um, I should know this. I'm a Yankee fan, but I don't. I don't really follow the attendance. Normal in, in normal years pre-COVID. Uh, I, I'm not talking about open day and opening mm-hmm. weekend. That's big, and not talking about playoffs and not. But average, what would be the average attendance? You would say just in a normal season for the Yankees. So if oh, they're going to they, have, 10. they were the first team to break. Uh, what was the record? It was they broke a billion because they sold out every every game or whatever it was uh fans you know they they capacity is like 54,000 so Correct. if you're looking at 54,000 towards you know 81 uh, you know 162 games it's going to be 81 uh home games and you're going to sell out every game so but but yeah. but do they, do they have a lot of no shows uh, um, you know, I mean, I mean, so you sure. think they they you think they you know would average the butts in the seats before COVID, 35,000, 40,000? It's got to be more than that. It, it, okay. it's, close, it's probably as close to capacity as possible. For okay, so that's pretty, it's pretty good. So, uh, like, think, and, about, think about, you know, you think about the Red Sox. The Red Sox sell out every single game at Fenway. Fenway's a smaller ballpark, but they right. have – Fenway just had the record. I think last season or two seasons ago, obviously the normal season, what, it was like the first time, the first game in like eight to ten years that they didn't have a sellout or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Well, baseball, it, it, baseball yeah. you know, the baseball fans are diehards. <laughs> well, yeah, no, and it's just, you know, I mean, it, it is, it's tough when you're dealing with, uh, with 81 games. Mm-hmm. You got season tickets, and I'm sure it's a lot of corporate. I know the Yankees, the, I know it's extraordinarily expensive, and I just yeah. wondered with that. So I'm curious to kind of monitor as they, as baseball goes with taking up the attendance. Yeah, they're talking full attendance, uh, or talking, you know, nationwide and everybody getting vaccinated. I haven't done it yet. I'm a little bit concerned as, as you or one of my many friends that said that, you know, they were knocked out a half a day for this reason or the other. And I'm like, I don't know. I need to get through the draft before I can, if hmm. I get knocked out a half a day, I don't know. I'm some, I don't know how I'm going to, if I'm going to squeeze it in prior to the draft or not. But um, as most of this country gets vaccinated and they've they've said all along, they've kind of thrown out July 4th as 
hey, look, it's kind of a benchmark that we're going to be, you know, heading downhill towards, you know, that means that training camps will be, I'm sure there'll be certain precautions, yeah. but there'll be a, a, an ability to do things to where you're going to be able to have hopefully full capacity in the fall, which is a great thing. Um, we need to have that. I think we need it for our country. We need to do it safely, but I think we're going to, we're going to be able to see this going with the, with baseball, how they're doing and in football will have a plan. Look, but football can do it because they have less games and, and, you know, so they and did a good stadiums, job, yeah. bigger stadiums, less games, and they got more people in those games, but uh, I think they'll be able to do that, and I don't know if they're going to make it mandatory that you're vaccinated or how they're going to do that. I haven't really gotten into that a whole lot, but it's it's certainly some sign that more we're going to have a better off season and a better season ahead. It, it it looks like towards having some sense of normalcy where we're not worried about uh, tests and missing games or anything like that. Which you know we postponed games, we didn't miss one. Yeah, in the NFL last year. Well, you mentioned the draft. We're a couple of weeks away. Uh, there was a big trade, a couple of trades going down that has shifted the landscape of the first round of the draft. The 49ers moved up to number three. Maybe there's a chance that a quarterback can fall into their lap. Uh, and the, the Dolphins, I think, did a real great job. They wind up just moving down three spots lower and get a huge return on their investment. Out of all the, the movers and the shakers with the first round of the NFL draft, Chris, I think the Dolphins won. Well, they certainly got uh, a lot of picks. Um, and then think about how they were able to do it. Well, they're sold, despite all the talk about well, Tua and doing this. I, I think they were only interested if there is any way they can get to Sean Watson, and we know that's a story in and of itself that's blossomed in a negative way since we last mm -hmm. talked, that's cooled down all the trade talk with Deshaun, and 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 that kind of plays its way out. Hopefully, we'll get to the bottom of that. Um, but I don't think the Dolphins were were looking at anything quarterback wise, with the possible exception of Watson if he was available. So. Uh, here's the thing that when this played out and I heard some rumblings and we were talking about it on LandryFootball.com and, um, a couple of days before when it went down and this is how this plays out. It means that the Niners have identified three players that they really like. I'm going to take you back a few years ago when Kyle Shanahan was in Washington working for his dad and the Redskins moved up with the Rams to the second spot. Mm-hmm because they had identified two quarterbacks that they liked both Andrew Luck and RG three. And they knew where they were going to get one. And they knew pretty much it was going to be RG three because the presumptive pick at number one was going to be Andrew Luck by the Colts. But if for some reason, RG three had gone one, they would have loved, yeah, um, you know, uh, Andrew Luck. So this is the similar move, except it's the three-way situation folks. What it means is, I guarantee you this is what it means. They got three players that they love. They're not moving up hoping that, well, this guy or that guy's there. You don't make that move for one guy. You make that move because you really like three. And one of them is Trevor Lawrence, and he's going to be gone at one. Mm -hmm. And and I think you don't make this move unless there are three quarterbacks that they're really in love with. So that would be, be Zach Wilson and – Whomever. Whomever yeah. the other – it's Trevor Lawrence – 
probably Zach Wilson. And I don't know if it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance or, Trey Lance yeah. or Mac Jones. I don't know if it's not Mac Jones. I think of those three, I mean, I think that they, uh, of those, of of Trevor Lawrence, you know, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, of those five, I, I, I think that clearly, including Trevor Lawrence, they love three of them. Well, they know been going up to three, they're going to get one of them. Because you can't go up there with the absolute certainty that you're going to get your guy at number two. Uh, at number three, because you don't know what the Jets are going to do. You don't, so you have to be comfortable, and that's how you do deals in this league. So that's what the trade tells me. Now, it, people want to know well, who is who do they like the most. Well, they've got them stacked, but they're comfortable with any one of three people that are there. And so we'll see what that is and who that is and how that will play out. And I don't know that it's not Mac Jones at three. In fact, mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a lot of sentiment that it could be, but it could be Lance. It could be Fields. Um, now, I think for um, to make that move, that's what it should get. For Miami to move back, though, was interesting because that meant that Miami was trying to position themselves in the non-quarterback uh, shopping business. <laughs> they are going to get a great player because yes. as all these quarterbacks are being pushed up, you know, Lance will go high. Mac Jones will go high. Justin Fields are going to go high. Zach Wilson's going to go high. Lawrence is going to go one. Think about the great players that are going to mm-hmm. be on the board that are non-quarterbacks. Panay Sewell, Jamar Chase, uh, Kyle Pitts. There's going to be an elite player. And at six with Miami, Miami will be in a position to get a guy that they would have taken at three. Yep, because they're not taking a quarterback, so they were able to get more picks. Still able to get their guy. Now, where they were moving back all the way, probably not going to be able to get them at twelve. But to move up to six means they get an elite player. So they get both. They basically do two deals. Two deals, and you're correct. They get multiple picks that they can build their team, but still not give up the elite quality of pick the top guy on the board is very possible. They may get their top guy on their board, although yeah. they probably still have Trevor Lawrence reign. Not that they would take Trevor Lawrence if you did, but I'm just saying probably top guy on their board probably was Trevor Lawrence, but I don't know um, if Panay Sewell will be there. I don't know if Kyle Pitts will be there. I don't know if Jamar Chase will be there. I know one of them will be. One of them will be. And I think mm-hmm. one of those guys is going to be their pick at six, and they'll probably depend on what Cincinnati does at five. I think the big storyline, though, Scott, is what's Carolina going to do? I don't think we're done because now this move was done because San Francisco and anybody looking at quarterback felt that they need to get up ahead of Carolina. Yeah. And now I think Carolina has to look and I would think they're going to make Atlanta's phone ring. What does Atlanta want to do? They could be looking at Panay Sewell right there with them at four. Um, Cincinnati. Might want to do a deal. Um, I don't know that they do the deal. Panesul is on the board, but if he's off the board, would they move? And would would then Carolina be in a position to take whomever's left? Say Trey Lance, quarterback. They want a quarterback in the worst way. Or they could also not in that position. They could also go a different route, though. I mean, they could wait and see what happens with the Jets and with the, the 49ers. 
And, you know, Sam Darnold or Jimmy Garoppolo could be available for them via trade or free agency or something. It depends upon what they want to do. And we've talked about this quite a bit. What should the Jets do? And I think one thing, let's talk a little bit about where the Jets are in their decision. People don't know Scott's a Jets fan. So certainly uh, I'm, I'm interested how he views this. But I've said this for a while. And, and this is what the Jets have to decide. And I think this is what they have decided. It, it, they've not been able to put a good enough team around Sam Donald to evaluate him properly. And he's gone into his fourth year. Mm-hmm. I think what they're doing is simply hitting the restart button. Kind of yes. like, you know, rebooting it and say, you know what? We're going to start the clock on a rookie quarterback, and we're going to see if we can build a team around a rookie quarterback, and we're going to have three to four years to determine if that guy can play. We don't think we can – I mean, they're not going to say it this way, but we don't think that we can build a good enough team around Sam Darnold this year to be able to evaluate him well enough to decide whether we're going to give a fifth-year option. Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to punt it. So it does put Sam Darnold in the market. But what are you getting with Sam Donald? If you're if if you're Carolina, is that where you want to go? Sam hadn't been developed. You've got to make a decision. You can trade for him, but then you've got one year and you can trade for him. But if you trade for him, it's going to cost you. And you got to determine in one year whether you're going to pick up that fifth year option. So is there enough of Sam Donald to be sold on him? Well, the answer to that's no, but it's not necessarily Sam's fault. Uh if but yet, if you want to give up on Sam Dono, I think that's a mistake. But I think that's an interesting move to be made if you think about it from a trade standpoint. You're trading mm-hmm. for a guy that you have to be sold on coming into the league, and you have to believe, look, we can build around him because you're going to have to turn around after this year, and you're going to have to you're going to have to sign him, or else if you don't sign him then you've just given up a whole lot in trade compensation for a guy that you rented for one year. And that's, so you see that that's the complexity of the deal. And that's why we're dealing with this. I think if you take Sam Darnold and put him in this draft, I think he's very favorable and very much in conversation to be the second quarterback off the board. And it might be the guy that the Jets would take again at number two, but, because he's gone into his fourth year, I think they're going to opt for the younger guy mm-hmm. because they've got more time to develop on a rookie contract, whereas I think they feel kind of stuck. That's the real example of quarterback play in this league, quarterback development, and quarterback signing. It's it's how you manage it. you got one end like Dallas maybe didn't manage the whole Dak Prescott situation very well, and then on the other end, the Jets just didn't build a very good team around Sam Donald. No. So you know what? They just don't know what they have in it. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said rookie contract because if the Jets view themselves as this building process that they're going to be ready to compete not this year but maybe next year in 2022 or beyond in 2023, you can't do that if you have to pay Sam Donald to hang around. And you can do that if you're going into year two and three of a rookie quarterback, because now the money, you can allocate that money elsewhere. The salary cap will rise. You could put better pieces now around Zach Wilson, let's say, if he's the second overall, if he's the second overall pick. 
and you have that guy under control for the rookie deal. You can fill the roster around them. Like I, the example is there, and everyone brings it up. It's the Seahawks. The Seahawks went to back-to-back Super Bowls because they had Russell Wilson on a friendly. I mean, he was a third-round pick, but it was a friendly rookie contract. And that's why they were able to have that great defense and all those great players. And what happened when it was time to pay Russell Wilson? Well, the Legion of Boom breaks up and they can't afford to keep all those players. And now Seattle's in a different, uh, they're in a different frame right now. They're in a different mold. The Jets can do that if they reset the clock back and now have another four to five years with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. And if you, so your point is well taken about, again, signing Sam Donald. But the issue is if if they had if they had had Sam Donald with a pretty good team and he had played well, then you, you could sign Sam Donald and, and you could be very successful. But they don't know what they have in Sam Donald. So it's not just signing Sam Donald. It's signing Sam Donald because he's got one going into his fourth year and you got to make a decision on him and you don't know what you got. Well, you don't know what you got in Zach Wilson, but you got more time to figure it out. What did you and make? That's of, the yeah. difference. What did you make of Zach Wilson's tape? I'm sure you watched the pro day over and over. I, I, he had a great, great pro day. It's not anything that he hadn't done um, in college. Look, people ask me all the time. Um, it's it's the important part that people I say this every year. It is about how you develop these quarterbacks and put a team around. Yes, there are a number of these guys can be successful. Could Zach Wilson be really good? Absolutely. Can Sam Nona be really good? Absolutely. Trevor Lawrence? Absolutely. Could Justin Fields develop? Absolutely. Could Trey Lance, Mac Jones? It's all about where they go, how they're developed, how team is put around them. I believe that is the biggest factor towards a player's success or lack thereof. And I, I think if you look at the, the players that are successful, it has a lot to do with, you know, the, the team around them and how they're groomed. And so I don't know. I mean, I think the, the, I like Zach and I think he'll be confident, brash leader. I think he'll do a lot of those things, but I think Sam Donald could have done a lot of those things too. So my answer is, are the Jets, is Joe Douglas going to do a better job filling out this roster? Because if they don't do a better job of it, mm-hmm. then then the answer is going to be, well, they're going to be looking for another quarterback because Zach Wilson will rot on the vine like Sam Darnold has. Yeah. So let's not let that happen, Jets. Just It's not allow that to happen. I mean, you're picking high and you're having your choice. There's a reason why they were able to pick Sam Darnold, and he was the answer, except they haven't done a good enough job with him. So, well, Sam Darnold's not good enough. I saw him. He played well enough. No, there's a reason why he's not good enough. So let's see what they do. Um, it's it's going to be an, an important – it's an important decision, but just as important, if not more important, is who they pick around him and what they do and fill in some of the pieces. And listen, I think this offseason has been fairly productive for them. And new leadership, new direction, new focus, let's hope that they're on the right track because that's, that's one of those teams, as you know, for people that follow that team, it's just it's it's just been it's enough with week four, week five, week six, and we're saying just end the season mm-hmm. again and again and again. That's what it is. That's the yep. that's the, the hallmark. That's the the uh, mnemonics that just need to go away. Um, 
I know his stock was already high, but by running a 4-4-4 today at his pro day, did Justin Fields elevate himself in this draft? What it did, it, it confirmed what you sometimes see on film, that the guy's got tremendous athleticism. So what you're looking at is a guy, you're trying to envision, okay, can he do some of the things that a Patrick Mahomes can do? Can mm-hmm. he do some of the things outside the pocket? Can, what it means is when they need him to run, he can run. He's a one hell of an athlete, which we knew that coming out of high school in Georgia, which we knew at Georgia, which we knew at Ohio State. What we need to see is a little bit more polish, a little bit more development. There again, how effective will he be? Well, how effective would Patrick Mahomes, would Patrick Mahomes be as successful had he not gone to Kansas City and gone to somewhere else? I think that's the key as well. So where does he go? Um, I'm very curious because, you know, that that is, I think, um, obviously, in my view, what I kind of think at three now is San Francisco going with Fields or is it Lance, who are really good athletes, or is it Mac Jones, which is more of the quick decision maker, get the ball out of his hands quickly? I don't, I don't know. It's that's me. That's the that's going to be to me where the draft begins, and that's where the storyline is going to be in. Because I think, um, listen, I mean, it's it's not not cut and dry necessarily, but I think it's a strong lean at this point that the Jets are going to take Zach Wilson and whether that's yeah. what I would do or not, that, that, that is clearly for what we talked about where I think one and two is going to go. So, uh, as I've said, I think that the draft kind of starts at three. Now it does appear. There's, there's no chance that urban Meyer just shocks the world and takes no. Justin Fields one. You can't do that. That's, 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 no. that's, that's like passing on Andrew Luck, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, you know, because, well, he had him and all the ties. Yeah, I get all that. He, I think he took the job mainly because Trevor you know, he could get Trevor Lawrence. I, I don't, I don't think that's the case. Now, um, I don't think he'd have a problem with. No, but when you're walking with, into a situation with a once in a generation quarterback, it's yeah. pretty cushy. Yeah, I think in terms of with um, Trevor, you've got a guy that's, that's close to be ready-made to be successful, a little bit more polished, alpha dog leader, got all those things, all the things that I think Justin could be. Um, and, and look, I, I don't, again, depending upon the situation, how good they are. I mean, look, if you put Justin Fields in San Francisco, for example, he'll be more successful quicker than Trevor Lawrence because the team's going to be better. But I, I think if you're, if you're building a team, you're number one. I don't think you pass on Trevor Lawrence. I think size and look is a different type of build, but you know, you're talking about, in my opinion, a, a, a very athletic Trevor Lawrence. And, and we're not talking about a, a six, three guy. We're talking about a guy that's, that's close to six, six, that can do some things that can be freakish and unique. Um, I think that's absolutely where the Jags go. In fact, I think he's kind of, indicated as such and uh, i think that's i think that's how we're gonna i think it's it uh, that's where they're gonna go uh, let's shift the uh, gears and let's talk a little more college football chris i'd be remiss if i didn't mention howard schnellenberger passing away um of course the you know legendary coach um passed away at age 87 any any top memories come to mind for howard schnellenberger yeah um 
played ball at Kentucky under Bear Bryant. Um, coach for Bear Bryant at Alabama. And he was the guy that recruited Joe Namath hmm. at Alabama. He was the guy that Bear Bryant, uh, he got word from a friend of his in Pennsylvania, there's this quarterback in Beaver Falls. And he did his homework, Bear Bryant did. And he told Howard, go out there and don't come back unless you bring him with you. And uh, Howard went in, and I think he lived in the Beaver Falls surrounding areas for a while. That's when you do it. He just took up shop, and he brought him, um, brought him to Alabama, and uh, you know was a really good offensive coach. He learned a game a lot from Blanton Collier. Uh, he he was a, a you know Kentucky guy again. Went to the university there, um, but then also. People may not know that he was the offense coordinator for Don Chula with the Dolphins. And the defensive coordinator at the time was one of my mentors, Bill Orange Parker. So you had offensive genius Howard Schnellenberger, defensive genius Bill Orange Parker on Don Chula's staff. Mm -hmm. And obviously the connections in Miami and everything led yeah. to him getting the job at the University of Miami when Lou Saban, a very, very distant, distant cousin of Nick Saban, Lou Saban, who former coach of the Bills and, you know, with um, Coach OJ at, at, at the Bills, um, he became the head coach of Miami. And the thing that jumped out at me was when he went to Miami, he created – he took a line. We, they called it the I-4 corridor, and they said anything south of this is the, what he called the state of Miami. <laughs> we're not we're not we're not going out of here we're but nobody's leaving out of here and that's what we're gonna do and we're going to absolutely dominate that area and he started getting guys some of them from rough areas and said yeah. you stay home and play and you do and and he did he built a program and that's what he was more than anything a program builder um Won the national championship in 1983. Freshman mm -hmm. quarterback Bernie Kosar, big upset over Nebraska, uh, a great Nebraska team of Tom Osborne. She beats them. And I think to his dying day, wondered why well, he's always said that he should have stayed at Miami. But he went for the money. Nothing wrong with that. But he went to the USFL and uh, took took money. And he was he had a piece of the team general manager, head coach, and, of course, USFL didn't have long-range success. Then um, he ended up in a – people forget this because he never coached a game, but he got the job at Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, that uh, – after John Blake, the best at John Blake, followed Garrett Gibbs, and um, – and that, and that there were some issues that came up and he never coached a game. So he leaves there. That was, that kind of blew up. And then he actually wanted the, my, the, um, the Alabama job. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but when Alabama hired Bill Curry, both Bobby Bowden and Howard Schnellenberger wanted that job hmm. and Alabama basically left them both at the altar and hired Bill Carr. And um, Cliff Hagen, 
great basketball player at, at Kentucky and, for, and, and became the athletic director, offered him the job at Kentucky later, Howard. And, and um, that's his alma mater again. And, and he didn't, he, he turned it down. Uh, but he went to Louisville, of course, and he kind of built a program there and did a really good job, upset Alabama, Gene Stalling Alabama team. And then, of course, went to down to down back home where it all started in Miami, went to FAU and built a program there. And that's probably what he did the best. He he was a builder, um, but he he always wondered and people always wondered what if he had stayed? Because because remember, everybody that went to Miami, I mean, Jimmy Johnson went won a title. Dennis Erickson won a title. Uh, Butch Davis kind of built a mess that was left and left a national title for Larry Coker. So it mm-hmm. was like, wherever coaches at Miami, you go there, get you one. You yeah. go there, you're going to get you a national title. It's that good. You wonder, you would think, you, you don't want to assume. Well, you think if Howard stays there, he probably wins, I mean, two, three, four. four I'd say, well, they won three in the the short years after him. So he won in 83, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. then they won three out of the next six or something. So Correct. I mean, you, you, he you, stays, he's winning those three. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you don't know for sure, but yeah, I'd say yeah. the chances are pretty good. And I think he wonders, and, and I know it bothered him. He was not, I did not realize he's not in the college football hall of fame. Well, that's a shame. Just, just on what he built at Miami is enough, but this is one of those cases He's a great coach, did a great job, but this is one of those cases, and, and it's not a criticism. It's not a anything he did wrong, but how are we viewing Howard Schnellenberger? How is Howard Schnellenberger viewed if he won four titles at Miami or five yeah. or something like that? He's looked at a lot differently. I mean, we, we're look, look at where we look at Nick Saban and Bear Bryant. Mm-hmm. Howard Schnellenberger would be in that conversation of the folks – the John McKay's who's won four and, you know, maybe, maybe even won five if he stays there long enough. Cause he coached forever. I, you know, but my point is, is he, that none of that ever happened. Yeah. Cause he left, went to the USFL. He never coached in the NFL and he never coached at a program at Louisville. Again, never thing, things blew up before they started at Oklahoma. So he's left with a boy's a great coach. Boy was an iconic figure. Boy, what he did at Miami. But you look at it and you say, hmm, what could have been? It's almost like when you people like myself look at Gail Sayers. You know, Gail Sayers was phenomenal. But knee surgery before orthoscopic surgeries, he had such a short career. Hall of Famer, but was Barry Sanders before there ever was a Barry Sanders, but didn't do it very long. Barry Sanders, how good would he have been if he played longer? We know he was good. Mm-hmm. With Alex Schnellenberger, no doubt great. Well, we could be talking about somebody that won three, four, yeah. five, wow. maybe even more. He could have been the guy that was closest to the bear before Nick Saban started chasing the bear. As what we see of of Urban Meyer, he would have surpassed Urban Meyer. You know, guys like Urban Meyer, Steve Spurry, he probably would have won more titles had he stayed there. He didn't, and uh, most people at Miami did leave. Jimmy left to go in the NFL. Dennis Dennis left because he got up with the Pell Grant scandal. But, yeah, there's a wonder of he if he would have stayed at Miami, what he built. Uh, he's considered the godfather there, but yeah. he could have had those four or five titles to his to his record, and, and he doesn't. And I think there's a little bit of um, 
of kind of melancholy of, you know, boy, what could have been there. Yeah. Well, he should be in the College Football Hall of Fame because yeah. he yes. built that. Miami became the U as a result of what he started there. And do, and do you know that things were so bad in the 70s there, Scott, that they considered dropping the program at Miami? Which is insane to think of when yes. you know their history. It yeah. was so bad. It was so bad. Um, look, he, here's how I would describe Howard. Howard was Bobby Bowden. Because mm-hmm. Bobby Bowden went to Florida State. And yeah, Fred Belitnikoff played in 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 the sixties, but Florida State was an all girls school for a while and then built it into something. And then when Bobby left West Virginia to go to Florida State, he had to build something that didn't exist. Yeah. They were not quite thinking, you know, scrapping the program, but they weren't far from it. It was nothing. And when I tell you that Bobby Bowden, he took his team. And they went and played everybody on the road because they had no, they had nothing of a stadium, and the only way they couldn't get people to come to their stadium, so they had to go play everybody. The LSU's, the Michigan, they're on the road. They played eight games on the road hmm. in an eleven game schedule, and he built a program where that's you know Howard did it at Miami, and you could have had the dueling Bobby and Howard, and you did for a short frame. But wow, yeah. Bobby stayed, Howard left, mm-hmm. and and you still had Bobby in Miami, but it was like different Miami, pieces in Miami, different yeah. coaches, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Bobby was there the whole time. So think about Bobby Bowden, who was an icon with two titles. Yep. You know, Howard would have been surpassed that probably, as we said. We don't know, but – the assumption would have been three, four titles. I, yeah, I don't know. You know, like like, like we said, they won three in the years right after him. So you got to figure, give him, give him, you know, two of those three. Uh, Speaking of uh, building a program, I saw that Vanderbilt is actually going to put $300 million into their football program. Hey, good for Vandy. I want to see it to believe it. (laughs) We've always said, they got a lot of money. The Ingram family himself, who they're going to write much of the check. Vanderbilt can print money. They just they don't care to do it for, um, for you know for for athletics. I know for a year they wanted they wanted to build that memorial, uh, the the uh, the basketball arena, and and I think they bugged the Ingram family for years, and finally they just warmed down. They just wrote them a check, and and they just. You know, they 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 say basketball ops, football ops. I hope they go to you know, Dudley and make that thing you know better and and because that that's never going to be like an eighty thousand seat stadium. It doesn't need to be Scott, but that yeah, doesn't like need to be, no. that could be a great sixty thousand seat. Of course, you know, nice, and, and beautiful, you know. But they can make all the bells and whistles and make it great. That is the most um uh what how could i put most thought of road trip for sec fans because mm. the the best the best city to go visit among it's Nashville. The, it's yeah, Nashville. Of course. Yeah. it's just a great state and so that is like man people go there for the and you can get tickets i mean you if you if you go there and you're alabama you're georgia you're gonna have more fans there than vanderbilt will so you can get all the tickets that you want at a good price and you can go to whatever you want to do in nashville and it's it is a great you know they need to make that they need to capitalize on the city and kind of build it in recruiting 
They've got academic standing. Look, it's not about competing at the upper level. It's just getting out of the basement to where you're not even competitive. Give your coach a chance. Clark Lee's one of your own. He's a young, bright coach. Give him a chance. So I'm hoping this is a step in the right direction. I'm hoping they go through with it and they do everything they say. Vanderbilt's given lip service to it in the past. Hmm. This looks like they're taking more of a step. I will say this. Clark Lee has got a pretty impressive staff of analysts. and I mean, they've actually hired more people than they've ever hired before. So good for them. Give them a chance. You go to bowl games at Vanderbilt. They got a guy there that that's his school. He yeah. grew up there. So, you know, I mean, make it to where if he does a good job, he could be young. He could stay there for a long time, but give him a chance. Mm. So at least it looks like they're going to try. I hope so. Got a question from uh, Rich wants to know what you think of Alex Leatherwood uh, from Alabama at the next level. Um, I think he'll be a good right tackle. I think he certainly can play inside a guard, but I like him at right tackle. I think he's got good value. I think, um, by the way, uh, she plugged the uh, horizontal draft board is up on Landry football. We're doing it in segments. All the first round grades are up. Got him up there. Alex Leatherwood is not in that group but see where he fits up on the board kind of breaking them down scott as as you know the horizontal board's best overall players so we've got the first round grades and we're going to be working on the second round third round get them that basically consist of everybody with a five five grade above and so we're really excited about that so we're kind of breaking that out a little bit later about a week later than normal due to the fact that we are having to do virtual combines yeah pro days, school days uh, yeah. and i want to want to really tidy up my grades but uh, they are they are uh, available at landry football and going to be coming daily with updates awesome what else are you working on at landryfootball.com well obviously we are continuing with all the free agent stuff the initial wave is gone but all the the information about um you know certain movements of the second wave of guys we've got that all the pro day workouts the information uh, what's going on in terms of trade moves and thoughts, you know, why did Philly make that move? Um, it, they were involved in the trade we talked about. I do believe that they were targeting Zach Wilson. And I think they felt like since they weren't going to get him, they're moved back. And now they're doing something. We, we give you all that information. Usually before it comes to fruition, we've got that in our notebooks each and every day. Uh, we've got the breakdowns of the team needs. We're updating that and going to give that to you as we get closer and closer to the draft and then draft boards. Uh, certainly the horizontal board will give you that by position. And then obviously we, the horizontal board takes them best overall. So it tells you where they're grading. You see where the gaps are. You see where the break points are. So it helps you get a good feel for it. I caution everybody and we have it in the post. This is an overall board that grades players based on their value and what their position is and what they do. It doesn't necessarily reflect an, a certain individual team's boards because a certain player is going to have a greater value for one player versus another based upon their scheme and their fit. So we give you all of that. And uh, so it's a great time of year at LandryFootball.com. Uh, we're working on something, too, that's going to be special that we'll be breaking out the war room newsletter. That's going to even be more in depth behind the scenes. So we'll give you updates on that. So got a lot going this show, all the other shows, um, all at LandryFootball.com.
Yeah, it's one-stop football shopping at LandryFootball.com. And be sure to head to the Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Football for all of our show offerings. And if you want to take us on the go and listen, you can do that as well by subscribing to Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, or or one of the any other apps that you use. Follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball for the latest breaking news and analysis. You can follow me at ScottsOnAir. And as we lead up to the NFL draft, we'll have some more nuggets, some more news to break down. And then uh, maybe as more information comes out, maybe uh, maybe we'll place a wager or two on where players are going to get drafted. Actually, actually too, uh, a note, probably a little bit early in saying this, but talk with our guy, Don Collins at Twitch, and I will probably be doing a show week before the draft and the the week of the draft, we'll be doing a daily show. I'm going to try to twist Scott's arm and see if he'll join me <laughs> if he wants to take part of it. But we'll probably be doing the Scout's Eye show. We'll be doing it every day, uh, Monday through Friday, the week before the draft. A lot of stuff going. It'll really be a way to interact. So uh, it, it, it'll be a little bit closer, and you'll be really wanting to know this or that, and we'll be able to provide a lot of that to you. So we're going to try to – Scott's busy. We're going to try to get him to come on and jump on with us at least whenever he's got time to do it. Well, you got to stay locked in to twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football and, and keep an eye on that for uh, the great stuff that's going to happen as we get closer and closer to the NFL draft. Again, subscribe to the podcast Landry football's conference call, wherever you get your podcasts from. And we'll talk to you next week right here inside the football film room. See you later, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.